Welcome to another episode of Live, Laugh, Shut the Fuck Up and Listen. I'm your co-host, Katie L. Eads, Chief Owl at Outstanding Women Leaders Professional Coaching and Podcast, and your strategic partner for Owl Things Leadership and Life. And I'm Marissa Senzaki. I'm a holistic career coach and startup consulting consultant, bringing the human humanity back to human resources. Um, in this week's episode, we usually talk about different thought leaders. Today, we're going to go a little old school and talk about a fictional character, George Costanza. <laughs> and Katie, for maybe some of the younger people who are not familiar with Seinfeld, tell us a little bit more about George. Who was he? Mm. So in, uh, to celebrate the summer that we're proclaiming this, the summer of George Costanza's thought leadership, George Costanza is a character on Seinfeld. And uh, for the younger generation that doesn't understand Seinfeld, it really was ahead of its time as much as you might think it was behind its time. And George is certainly a character that represents someone who is a bit ahead of his time as much as he also is still stuck in time. <laughs> And George is also someone who I reference a lot in the corporate coaching space. I think George brings a lot to the thought leadership of HR. And so we're gonna put him on our pedestal today as our thought leader and examine some of George's greatest tips, starting with my favorite quote of his. It's not a lie if you believe it. <laughs> and how can we use that as a way to be more positive? <laughs> I think the, the power in that, um, not what George was doing in that episode, but the power of this, uh, what we tell ourselves is truth. So if we wake up in the morning and we are deciding it's going to be a tough day, it's going to be a tough day. It's not a lie if you believe it. And if you wake and we also start to reframe what we recognize is whatever our truth we want to be is true. And often we don't assume a positive intent. We believe it's real. We believe the story that we tell ourselves, but really everything we tell ourselves is just a story. And we've decided it's truth because we believe it. Mm. George is maybe the first mindset coach. <laughs> <laughs> uh, certainly a good at getting people to reframe. <laughs> <laughs> and it was before to set up the episode, you know, Jerry was giving a lie detector test. Um, this was the episode set up, not that Jerry committed a crime, but he was trying to prove he hadn't watched a show that he was embarrassed to admit he'd watched. And George's tip for beating a lie detector test and how we can equate this in HR is your tip to, um, to beating any type of uh, potential growth mindset that you could have is this, it's not a lie if you believe it. And we get so tied into our values and we get wound up in them to the point where if we, someone is definitely infringing on our rights or on our values, if we believe it to be true. I think it also ties back to what we've talked about too, about imposter syndrome. And I do think that there's a line between the whole fake it till you make it, um, when you really are trying to do something maybe don't have the skills yet, but there also is a way that you can shift your mindset to have more confidence and believe in yourself. Um, if you're really like lacking that self-worth and self-esteem, cause I see, I talk to so many women, um, 
who are really great at their jobs have been doing what they've been doing for like over a decade, but they still don't think that they're like an authority figure or um, someone that can be a mentor. And it's, you know, maybe they just need to start believing that they are really great at their accomplishments and they can be their own thought leader. Well, and to, as someone who's been in those shoes, I agree. And, but to also flip that around of, um, you don't have to believe that it's a lie that you're an authority. It's also a lie that you're not an authority, right? Mm -hmm. And you're choosing to believe that. Uh, For me, I had that. And what I look at is what's great about being the imposter. I love to go right into that storm uh, so that I don't have to believe anything. And, you know, right, we're not trying to believe anything because that's where we get caught up in our own lies. Rather, I'm trying to pull out what is it that I want to bring to this imposter syndrome. When we look at that root is just like Jerry, we're embarrassed. (laughs) Jerry was embarrassed to admit that he had watched this TV show. We're embarrassed. And so we want to believe something else is true about us. If we go in and look for all the things that are really great that are true about being an imposter fresh perspective, different questions that you would ask, better listening. Being an imposter means that you can hold other people as experts, which makes you automatically one of the smarter people in the room because you know how to leverage people. Um, Then we start to realize, oh, these are the great things. So we don't have to worry about believing our lies that we're not an authority or trying to convince Mm -hmm. ourselves that we're not lying when we say we're an authority, but instead just looking at what do I want to bring? And as Maya Angelou said, not that she's our thought leader today, but that people remember how you made them feel. Right. Not you do and say. Yeah. And it's, so it's not always an actual lie, but sometimes we have that inner liar within ourselves that is trying to convince us otherwise. Yeah. And it becomes the belief system. And those are the limiting beliefs. So the growth mindset that we can bring to it. Um, but the, it's not a lie if you believe it also can be what you take into your meeting of, you know what, I am an authority and, and, and let's, let's go with this. But that feeling that you have, that's why George was such a great liar is because he believed his own bullshit. <laughs> We're not <laughs> inviting you to necessarily, of course, emulate George, um, but maybe to stop believing the lies you're telling yourself about yourself, your bullshit. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, it reminds me, I had a, a teacher in high school and it stuck with me where he was like, you know, if you are feeling this lack of confidence, like bef- before you take the exam, before you go into this meeting, just tell yourself, I know this shit. <laughs> I was like, yeah, uh, I do. Express, grati- <laughs> express gratitude for passing the test. You know, we, we know the power of gratitude. Everyone talks about the research, it's research, research, research but we get gratitude a little wrong because we're always grateful for the things that we have. We forget to be grateful for the things that we will have. So going into that, waking up in the morning saying, I am grateful I made it to work safely. I'm grateful that I handled that challenge with ease and flow. I'm grateful that I learned something when I struggled to handle that challenge. Like when you're setting your attitude of gratitude of things that you want to happen, I'm grateful for that car I'm driving. If you're not driving that car, that's where people talk about manifesting. But if you say it enough, it's not a lie. If you believe it, (laughs) (laughs) it comes true. We start to see that happening. So there's where George's come full circle to. It is not a lie. If you believe it, express the gratitude for things that you want to have, that you will have, that you know, you will have, and that you can believe. 
what else can George teach us? Um, I think George teaches us a lot when he finally comes to this realization that if every instinct that he has is wrong, then perhaps the opposite of everything he believes to be true is correct. And he decides that everything he will do will be opposite and down to, he decides it's in a restaurant, the sandwich he orders instead of tuna on rye, I think it's uh, chicken on wheat or, so, or on white or something. I don't remember what he orders. And then Jerry interjects with what technically would be the opposite. But when he does that, a beautiful woman across the way says, hey, that's what I ordered and yada, yada, yada. (laughs) And I often hear from my senior, senior leaders, when I offer a very unique reframe, sometimes leading with the, it's not a lie if you believe it's phrase, that leaders say, well, I'll tell you what, I've never tried that. And if we've never tried, you know, we don't look for the, if we're looking for our keys in the same places we've already looked, we're not finding our keys, right? We have to go somewhere new. So to shake up things, uh, we know for anyone who's ever dated the, someone and needed to break up to find the new thing, to anyone that's had to let go of something, a car, a house, something, a property, you know that you create more room when you do that. So to do the opposite of what you normally would do to just allow yourself to, nope, that's um, my instincts are wrong, to play with experimenting. So these leaders do get different results because when you do different, you see different and you have different at the end. And a lot of people talk about the idea of insanity and how it's doing the same thing over and over but expecting different results. Um, So I think that's what George got right. And what I love about the coaching you do is you bring in this playfulness and this idea of experimentation. And it's like, why, why don't we just think of it sometimes as an experiment? Um, if you're always approaching conflict the same way, try something different. It's usually dreading it, not looking forward <laughs> to it, hoping that you're not going to hurt someone's feelings. Those are some of the common themes. Some of them are looking at more of um, we, I love going into conflict, but I'm, I, um, but then they're the, the disruptor, like they're the problem. And so how do you help people with that? Well, sometimes it not only is doing different, most importantly, it is starts with seeing different. And so what George saw differently in that moment was I've been doing the same. I, or I mm-hmm. always order tuna on rye. I've tuna on rye has never gotten me anywhere. <laughs> I'm not going to order tuna on rye. And of course, Jerry laughs at him. What's so great about that scene is that synchronicities, this is where I talk about ease and flow for people. Things don't have to always be such a struggle. And so the synchronicity is that by changing the simple order, you know, the serendipity of this person saying, hey, that's my order, like that the universe literally responded immediately. And that is something that we tend to see. Well, it usually happens opposite of what we might order. Um, Perhaps it would have been a guy with some tattoos that this was the real world and not the beautiful woman that he wanted to meet. But it is the universe winking at you like, hey, (laughs) I'm shifting with you. Yeah. And then with the shift too, like for me, I I did have a a George Costanza moment where with um, interpersonal personal conflict and communication, I realized I thought I was doing things differently. Um, But with not being able to communicate in the way 
that I wanted to with someone, I was like, well, maybe I should text this, or maybe I should say it this way. And I kept thinking in my head, what are the different ways that I can communicate to connect with this person? And then I thought, hmm, what if I just did the opposite? And I just stopped communicating and let, you know, put the ball in their court and they'll come to me when they're ready, if and when they're ready. And for me, just changing the action also changed my thoughts. And so I, I didn't have to change my thought pattern and my emotions first. I could just change kind of how I reacted. Um, and I became comfortable with that. And we were able to connect and communicate better afterwards. And it, you know, it's again, goes back to the stories we tell, like the stories I'm telling in my head, if we're not talking for X amount of days, that means something bad happened, um, which wasn't the case. Yeah, that's what the body doing something differently also shifts that energy along with it is what I heard. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, another one of my favorite George uh, tips is when he meets a woman that he would like her to remember him. (laughs) (laughs) And what I hear in corporate a lot is how do I get more influence? Um, And how do I become more, you know, what they're really saying is how do I become more sticky? You know, we all know those people that we meet that we still remember, even if we've met them one time, like if they walked in the door, they, they would remember that character or that person. Uh, how do we become more like that? And so George's brilliant plan was just to, to, to make a little jingle, right? Because jingles <laughs> are sticky. So he has his Costanza. And when I'm talking through for people on their personal brand, you know, some companies are really big in personal brand. One of the things I've always done and for my, just, this is just who I am as a human. I've got a lot of quirks like George, perhaps is <laughs> I will just tell people like, Oh, I'm Katie. You know, I have this business and I'm also hilarious. And whenever I say that people will laugh and then I will say, see, I told you so. And that's sticky. People remember that. Uh, when I walk into a bar, usually, cause I don't know what my order is going to be. I ask questions. I bring the, the bartender in like people, I make them feel something. Right. And that's sticky. And what George's jingle was trying to get people to feel was just this like stuck wormhole. And I think that that's what happens for people in corporate is that there's wormhole sticky, not that, and what we want is to be that uh, uh, breath of fresh air kind of sticky for people instead. But George was, you know, whether he was leaving something behind, uh, that was another great way that he made himself more sticky. <laughs> right. <laughs> he, left his, he left his hat behind. Um, and then he had to, you know, exchange the clock, love that episode, but George was always looking for ways to be more noticeable. And I think that that's something that's also happens in corporate. What I liked about the Costanza jingle was it wasn't meant to be something loud and in your Mm -hmm. face. It was this kind of soft, he's just kind of sing it. So you barely notice it, but now it's like this earworm that's stuck in your head. Um, so we don't always have to be the loudest voice in the room or draw the most attention sometimes it's just being authentically you in some weird unique way i love that you bring that up i just had a woman tag me on uh linkedin that said i remember the first day i I met you um you were the girl with the really big hair in the room and (laughs) and for so long i actually tried to make my hair more professional and would straighten it and spend an hour getting it ready to go out into the professional world um, and so thinking of those, you know, the pink glasses, like there are some more subtle ways. I was the person that always carried like the oldest generation of the phone, instant conversation starter piece. And mm-hmm. what I love about George is he took his own quirks 
and he tried to make them work for him versus trying the, you know, there's one time where he borrowed someone else's quirk. That's the counterclockwise swirl. And <laughs> if you remember that episode, right? you borrowed Jerry's quirk in the bedroom, but George was always being uniquely himself, right? If he could do anything in the world, he would drape himself in velvet. And uh, that, I, and if he had done that, people would remember that man in velvet. <laughs> Yeah, and I think some ways that I've also like just brought my own personality, which maybe doesn't seem professional, but like into what I do and how people remember me, um, people who know me, I, I love like early 90s hip hop. And so I was on a, a panel speaking. I wore my Tupac t-shirt. <laughs> Tupac and a blazer. Yes, I love that. Um, and that's sort of your little Costanza hint for people. It's a uh -huh. conversation starter for someone that wanted to talk to you for any other reason and just needed a door opener. And, um, you know, you don't have, I think what you're also pointing out there is that you don't have to try so hard like George. George was trying very hard in that moment versus just being very um, subtle and quiet and letting other people sort of see. So using your eyes to attract versus the jingle. I also love music though. And I like my uh, theme songs. I want my clients to have theme songs because music is sticky as well. When you come into a group I host, you're always going to have, I have a summer theme song. I'm actually very big to come full circle into the summer of George podcast today. Uh, I am like, shut the fuck up right now. If you have not created a summer theme song for yourself, this is the one thing I would invite you to say yes to if, uh, if you're looking for an invitation. Marissa, have you ever had a summer theme song? Oh, a summer theme song. No, I don't think I have. So I feel like every summer has a flavor for me. Every summer, uh, this is the summer of George. You know, there's sometimes I've had that one summer when I got divorced and sold my business where I too, George, thought it was going to be the best summer ever for Katie. And it was me carted off. I didn't really get carted off the psyche at that time. But uh, having that mental breakdown, because it turns out that having summer of George for meaning unemployment <laughs> for, for George, homelessness, because we had to move in with his parents. Uh, I think actually a lot of us have been there where we've had to take a bit humbled ourselves and taken a step back. Um, and so every summer to me, there's always that hit summer song and whether mine is a hit summer song or it's just sort of the song that I've chosen, uh, it's this rhythm of like, what am I attracting this summer? And a secret about me is if you've spent your summer with me as a woman, uh, every summer I have a different friend that I get to spend with. They usually meet the love of their life afterwards if they're single. So fun summer fact for you, Marissa. Uh, what would your summer theme song be telling you if you had to, if you were to write your own lyrics? Ooh, um, you know, it's interesting because I did a peer-to-peer -peer coaching session yesterday. And um, I think what came up for me was to think about my emotions and actually this, this all kind of ties in right like kind of a future visioning but also in the moment like how do I want to feel as a professional in what I do um and so my theme song would be something about just like listening to my heart uh, listening to um there the is positivity that song, listen to your heart it's calling for you you know that 80s song listen to your heart <laughs> Um, is that might be, so that might be the one on the Karate Kid soundtrack, which I listened to over and over again. Perfect. Which, yeah. Mm -hmm. And Ralph Macchio, one of my first crushes. <laughs> I love the summer vibe for you. This is great. Yeah. 
Um, and also when we, we, we think of ourselves as people, so summer of George, we follow these seasons. If you're listening and you're in one of those places like Florida, where I get it, it's hot most of the time. You're still this, there's this rhythm of the earth as it's rotating. We're on a giant space rock that's going through the world, right? So universe. And so these seasons mean something for us. We can't spend zero to 18 having summers off <laughs> as kids and not think that we're not going to be conditioned to need or, or want to experience different energy in the summer. And that is why I, I really recommend, you know, if it says this, if it's right for you, do it. Don't always listen to what I have to say. But, you know, if you were to have some type of theme song for summer, what is it that you want to, we're, we're growing, we're flourishing, like summer is that time for us and uh, we're running out of it. So I encourage you to, to pick a theme song Stanza. <laughs> or <laughs> believe it or not, George isn't at home. <laughs> Also, the best voicemail greeting. Um, kids back in the day, we had voicemail greetings <laughs> that you could customize. That's right. Um, ahead of his time, George is a thought leader. Uh, if you were to rate George as a thought leader compared to some of these ones with PhDs and all the other things, where would you put George on the scale of lessons to learn from? <laughs> oh, man. Well... I think George had some right intentions, but he also got in his way a lot. So doesn't every leader. <laughs> <laughs> mm, I'd give George maybe C plus. C plus. You know, I always say if someone can do something 70% as well as you, which C plus is a 70%, that you can delegate work to them. So Marissa is happy to delegate some, some work <laughs> to George. So what I, uh, when I look at George's leadership, uh, what I love about him as a thought leader is also that he, we don't learn from people that are always successful. You know, sometimes watching other people crash and burn, the jerk store is called and it's running out of you. If you're familiar with the episode, George ruminates and ruminates. So for, if you're listening and you are one of those people that are like, why can't my brain just shut the fuck up? Why do I keep ruminating? Um, George uh, goes so far as to even drive all the way to tell someone that the jerk store has called and it's run out of you. And unfortunately for George, the guy followed up with, what does it matter? You're their bestseller. And uh, <laughs> I think the lesson that George brings for me is that uh, this leadership lesson of we, we can't fight bad behavior with more bad behavior. You know, George, it, when you look at him as a human in that situation, they had made fun of him first and he mm -hmm. wanted to retaliate and he wanted to ruminate about how to get even uh, versus how to, um, to use that as a leadership moment for himself. And that's the authenticity that we see from George. So if I were to read, I like the C plus rating for him. I might've given him the B minus because I gave him extra credit sometimes for um, uh, being so uh, self-aware is what I'm going to give George uh, more <laughs> enough to say, maybe I need to do some things differently and also self-aware to know that people shouldn't be emulating him. I think any leader that doesn't think people should be like him gives, gives a little above average for me in the extra credit department. So there's my vote. I'm going to give it okay. a B <laughs> Did I talk you well, into a B minus? <laughs> hey, I'm a little harsher, but I think if you round the two grades, he's got a pretty good average for a guy that sleeps under his desk at work. 
<laughs> which was ahead of its time. You know, Google totally had to build the these areas for people to sleep. And I just to reference our car dealership episode, you know, what does it take to put George in a, in a B, B minus leadership position here? Um, you know, what I what I also love about George is he's always willing to get to, to the bottom of things. <laughs> Do you remember the candy bar lineup? Happens to be one of my favorites. Yes, yes. I vaguely remember that one. Um, and then another thing that I love about uh, George and his quirky family, um, the Festivus episode, and they had a mantra what they would say serenity now when things would get too heated and that was just kind of a way to like shake themselves out of the moment and try to ground themselves although we saw that it didn't really always work yeah what I love about that is that we thought somehow yelling serenity would give uh -huh. us serenity and it's just a good reminder that it, what we want we have to be and so if we're being angry it doesn't matter if we're asking for serenity it's not coming <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Which is why you can't just put live, laugh, love on your wall and expect that to change your life. You also have to shut the fuck up and listen to your yes. body so that you know what it is that is right for you and that is aligned for you. What a great segue into how you can get more of us if it is aligned and right for you. Uh, Marissa and I need to have a summer of Katie and Marissa hours available for you in August. Um, so stay tuned for that link. Marissa, where can people follow you and connect with you to learn more about how they can work with you? Yeah, well, I have a website. It's just my name, marissasenzaki.com, um, or they can follow me on Instagram. It's elevate.eq is my handle. Um, and I post a lot about just emotional intelligence tips and uh, just different sharing different thoughts and tips that I have. And you can come over to uh, Outstanding Women Leaders, follow the podcast on Instagram or Facebook to get updates here. Follow us on YouTube, throw us a comment. If you enjoyed this, give us a like, follow us on Apple Podcasts or Podbean. I will upload this podcast there. It'll be available for the future as well. And head over to allprofessionalcoaching.com to check out how you can have a human design rating with me and learn more about all of my Seinfeld uh, integration of their, of their thought leadership. <laughs> Marissa, as always, it's been lovely laughing, uh, living and shutting the fuck up with you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much. And if you guys want us to talk about other Seinfeld characters or any fictional characters you think are applicable in real life, let us know or any real thought leaders that you think also could use a second look, please give us a, let us know.